you remember well, I know the story of David and Goliath. Before I go further, uh, Hefner family will have worship here. If you want to join with them in the Welcome Center tonight at 6 o'clock. Is this one off right here? I think. So you remember well the story of uh, David and Goliath. Let's, let's do this one instead. Let's do the pulpit instead. We'll just do this one. You remember well, I know, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath had the army of Israel paralyzed with fear. He was over nine feet tall and he was obnoxious, so you'd be scared too. Day after day, he would challenge Saul's army, the army of Israel. Send your best man to fight me. If you win, we'll be your servants. If I win, we'll be ours. This happened for 40 days. Every morning, every evening, he would come out and spout off. When there were no takers, I wouldn't have been one of them, I don't think. The Israelites were totally defeated, and no fight had been fought yet, but in their minds, they lost. David had older, and you know the story, David had older brothers who were in the army of King Saul. One day, David's father, Jesse, told David to leave home and take some groceries to his brother. That's what he was doing. David was not a soldier. He was a, remember what he was? He was a shepherd. And a delivery boy on this day. When David got to the front lines, he hears the story about the great giant. And David was ready to fight him. He couldn't believe they waited for six weeks. He was ready to go. David had great faith. So when the word got to King Saul that there was a man willing to tangle with a nine-foot mouth, there was a meeting. And we pick up the meeting in 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 31. David's question was reported to Saul when the king sent for him. The question was, what do you get for fighting that guy now? And he was willing. Don't worry about the Philistines, David told King Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win you're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from the flock. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You know the rest of the story. David with the slave took care of business. File that away. Because today I want us to look at one of those sections of Scripture that likely all of us have heard. Probably most of us can quote it. In fact, most non-Christians know this section of Scripture. But they're so familiar that I think we probably take them for granted. You know these words. For the next several weeks, we're going to look at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Read this with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. 
The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. That gets my attention. Because we live in a world of want, don't we? Just about everybody I know dreams of what are they going to do when they win the lottery, and they want this, and they want that. When somebody says, I shall not want, I, I, I shall not be in want, I sit up and I take notice because we are in an age of discontent. I found these words years ago and I've saved them because I think it describes today's bad sheep. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter that I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I, I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. And then my life was over, and I never got what I wanted. <laughs> sounds like our world, doesn't it? It sounds exactly like our world today. But David said, I shall not want, I have no wants. Not having want is a picture of content that can only come by having a right relationship with God. That's the only way that that can happen. The happiest, most fulfilled people I've ever known in my life were close to God. When we are as connected as we should be, we look at what we have as blessings and forget about what we don't have. I made an Amish friend when we lived in Indiana. And I remember a, a conversation we had he was very concerned about his people. He said in the last 10 years, uh, it's been hard because many have gone to cell phones and others have started using laptops. And while I don't understand their rules and regulations, I totally admired their faith and dedication. I really did. He wanted for nothing and he was content with very little. And the closer we get to God, the more content we should become, and the more we should see how blessed we really, really are. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now you'll notice frequently in Scripture, human beings are compared to sheep. Now that sounds nice, but surely you realize it's not a compliment when we are described as sheep. Because sheep are among the dumbest and dirtiest animals in the world. So when Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray, he's not saying, that's a good thing, you sheep. He's saying, that's bad. And I'm sorry, I had to resist <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That's bad because just about on every level, sheep go astray. When Jesus looked out on the people with compassion, the Gospel writer said he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. That's Matthew 9.36. That's not a compliment. 
but a concern because sheep are so helpless when they're alone. And when we are left to our own devices, like my friend who got out of jail in New Jersey, it's hard. Philip Keller was a sheep rancher, and in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, he says they require more attention than any other livestock. They just can't take care of themselves. Unless a shepherd makes them move on, sheep will actually ruin a pasture, eating every blade of grass until finally a fertile pasture is nothing but barren soil. He goes on to say the sheep are nearsighted and very stubborn and easily frightened. An entire flat flock can be stampeded by a jackrabbit. They have little means of defense. They're timid and feeble. Their only recourse is to run if no shepherd is there to protect them. They don't know what to do. Boy, we're like sheep, aren't we? Sheep have no homing instincts. A dog or horse or cat or a bird can find its way home. But when a sheep gets lost, it's a goner unless somebody's there to rescue. So one overriding principle of the 23rd Psalm is that sheep can't make it without a shepherd. And the only reason that David could say, I shall not want, is because David could first say, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. This is a beautiful picture of a sheep so completely satisfied that there isn't the least desire for anything more. He's just content to lie down in green pastures. The Lord has provided plenty for us, too. There are few of us who go hungry. In fact, we have so much to eat that dieting is constantly a discipline or maybe accurately a, a discussion. But the words are interesting. He makes me to lie down. Sheep sometimes have to be forced to go down. And Keller says in order for sheep to lie down, four things are required. First, they have to be full. Hungry sheep stay on their feet searching for another mouthful. Secondly, they have to be unafraid. They'll not lie down if they're fearful. The least suspicion of wolves or bears and they're ready to stand and flee. Thirdly, they have to be content. If flies or fleas are bothering them, they'll not lie down. They must be comfortable before they lie down. And finally, sheep won't lie down unless there's harmony in the flock. If there's friction over the pecking order among them, they won't relax and they won't lie down. But with us, we can be the same way. God needs to make us stop every once in a while. That's why the Sabbath was created, and sometimes we're not very good at stopping then either. We rush about trying to meet every opportunity and engagement and fulfill every obligation. In our hurry and scurry, we sometimes miss the things that are most important. So once in a while, God says, hey, you need to stop. You need to lie down by allowing an illness or a heartbreak or to make a stop and reevaluate our priorities. And so David says, he leads me besides the still waters, and that's a beautiful picture. We all like a water view, don't we? Sheep are frightened of swiftly moving water. They're poor swimmers and they get bogged down with their heavy wool. And it'd be like us trying to swim wearing a, an overcoat made out of fur. It, it's not a good idea. So swift water is bad for them. So when the shepherd comes to a flowing stream, what he does is he doesn't let the sheep go there to drink. He 
dams up a little bit and makes a quiet pool so the sheep can go there and drink from still God knows our weaknesses and he can lead us to still places. He promises he'll protect us from temptations that we can't handle. He won't force us into situations that we cannot cope. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.13. The temptations for you sheep, for us sheep, in our life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He won't allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. There's always still water nearby. We just have to look for it. So, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm. We need a shepherd, don't we? It's been two weeks ago when our friend Mildred Ross came in uh, carrying a, an arrangement of chrysanthemums. Um, Harry, I think, helped her carry them in, and then after church she gave them, let me go back this way, after church she gave them to Jeannie, and we went home, and well, she planted them, I didn't plant them, but Jeannie planted them at home. And then she had surgery, and it was pretty routine, and then complications came up, and she was gone. And she was one of my favorites, and I get to brag on her tomorrow at, at 2 o'clock. I was with the family and the youngest daughter, Melinda's here today. Melinda, bless you for being here. I was with the family and, and just impressed with their faith. They needed a shepherd as they gathered to say goodbye. They were all there. I was with another family yesterday in Arlington. Said goodbye. They needed a shepherd too. Never take for granted that God will be your shepherd no matter what you are going through. We should be a thankful people. Don't take for granted words that are so, so very